broadcasting on the Drug Truth Network. This is Cultural Baggage. It's not only inhumane, it is really fundamentally un-American. My name is Dean Becker. I don't condone or encourage the use of any drugs, legal or illegal. I report the unvarnished truth about the pharmaceutical, banking, prison, and judicial nightmare that feeds on eternal drug war. Welcome to this edition of Cultural Baggage. I'm glad you're here with us. Uh, here in just a few minutes, we're going to speak with Loretta Knoll. She's running for governor in the state of Alabama. But first up, I uh, want to uh, present an interview I did this week with Roger Goodman. He's uh, running for state representative in the state of Washington. He's also a member of the King County Bar Association. And both of these candidates are for uh, ending the war on marijuana users for uh, destroying many of the mechanisms of the drug war. So let's go ahead and go to that interview right now with Roger Goodman. Roger, you have uh, been involved with the King County Bar Association for several years now and uh, in regards to their drug policy uh, initiatives, if you will. Uh, tell us, sir, you're uh, putting on another hat. You are uh, running for office in the state of Washington as a, a representative? That's right. Yeah, for... Well, for over five years now, we've been uh, coordinating a professional and civic uh, coalition to um, support change in the drug laws here in Washington State uh, through the local bar association. And uh, anyway, in my own neighborhood, the um, state representative has decided to run for the state senate, so that opened up his seat. So my wife called me and said, I have to run. So I can't say no to my wife. And, and I certainly uh, appreciate that uh, predicament, if you will. Uh, Roger, the, the fact is, uh, you know, drug policy needs changing. I think a lot of folks would agree with that, perhaps a majority these days. And, and the truth be told, we have lost, we have frittered away millions, if not billions of dollars on uh, prosecuting this drug war, money that could have been used for school or education or health services. Um, your thoughts, sir, what, what would you do once you're elected? Well, that's exactly right. You talked about the need to shift resources away from what we're wasting to what we could actually invest in that would yield a return. And so, in my district, people can't afford health insurance. We don't have, you know, children don't have health care unless it's in the emergency room. And so, you know, that's actually inhumane as far as I'm concerned. Uh, and so we don't have an investment in the health care system. We don't have investment in the schools that we need. Uh, and then we're stuck in traffic. Uh, you know, these are sort of real problems. In the meanwhile, we're wasting literally hundreds of millions of dollars just in Washington State alone on uh, incarcerating. That's just part of the criminal justice system. We're talking about the whole stream of arrest, prosecution, trial. Uh, incarceration, supervision afterwards, and then probably on through the cycle again. So the amount of waste is just enormous uh, in the criminal justice system. And the problem is that we've all lost respect for the law in the meanwhile. And so we need to restore that as well. <clears throat> the objectives I look at are, are we reducing crime and disorder? Are we improving health? Are we protecting children better? And are we saving public money? And by any measure, our current policy with regard to drugs uh, couldn't be worse in, in, by those measures. So uh, 
what we need to do is take control. Uh, we could go on and on about how the drug wars failed. Everybody knows that. You know, the, the dangerous drug use by children has doubled in the last decade and a half. Uh, we've got crime out of control, corruption with it. We've got uh, a disease in the streets. We've got drugs in the schools. This is ridiculous. The system's broken, and, and people know that. So what we need to do is talk about the alternatives. Now, we don't know what specific alternatives. We know the questions we need to ask, you know, uh, regulatory questions. What about medical supervision? What about, uh, you know, all sorts of, of, uh, of sort of boring issues about quality control and, and storage and, and so on? Uh, but we need to take it away from the criminals. Uh, here in Houston, we have uh, major road construction. It seems to be a permanent thing going on, but it's it never really improves. Major congestion and and problems of that type. Uh, what is the situation there in Washington? <laughs> well, here in the Pacific Northwest, basically, uh, too many people want to live here. Uh, I guess the secret got out, um, and so we have um, uh, just a, a crush of new housing and and traffic. Uh, and, you know, part of my campaign is certainly to improve transportation choices uh, for the people. And, and uh, you know, we have to widen the lanes and we have to provide more uh, multimodal transit and that sort of thing. But I'm being honest. I'm being honest as I go door to door and talk to the voters in my district. And I say, you know what, we're not going to get out of traffic. And they, they nod their heads because they know. And so I, I say, I'm, you know, I'm going to be honest about something else, too. Uh, honest about taxation, how unfair it is, how unstable it is. And I'm going to be honest about the war on drugs. It's not working. And, and it's resonating at the door. I think there's a silent majority out there that we need to tap into to sort of wake up and get rational because we need to save money because we're, we can't afford this anymore. Roger, if your words are resonating with our listeners up there in Washington, uh, where might they learn more about your campaign? Well, you can go to VoteRogerGoodman.com. Vote. Roger Goodman, R-O-G-E-R-G-O-O-D-M-A-N dot com. And uh, I don't necessarily, I could give the campaign phone number, too. The number is 425-736-9043. Uh, but I uh, hope I meet you out there in the neighborhoods. Roger, we, we thank you for being with us today, and uh, we'll certainly be in touch as the election season progresses. Uh, any closing thoughts? Well, thanks, Dean. This campaign is invigorating because I'm going out there and just I'm a straight talker. And we just want to get things done, you know, in a common sense way. And uh, the drug war is just one of the many issues we need to tackle. Health care, education, some basic, uh, you know, day-to-day -day issues that people are concerned about. Uh, and so this is a very exciting and, and sort of uh, refreshing and, and liberating experience because I'm just telling the truth. So thanks for having me on. Okay, uh, with that, I want to thank Roger Goodman for taking the time out of his busy schedule to uh, visit with us here on the Drug Truth Network. And I, I'm proud of the fact that I've known Roger now for a few years. And him and uh, Cliff Thornton running for governor up in New Jersey. And uh, Kevin Zeese running for Senate. And uh, I believe it's Connecticut. And uh, no, Massachusetts, I think. And uh, I'm, I'm proud of my affiliation, my association, my friendship with our, our next guest. Uh, she's running for governor in the state of Alabama. I want to welcome to the show Loretta Nall. Hello, Loretta. Hi, Dean. Well, welcome to uh, Cultural Baggage. Glad you're with us. Thanks for having me tonight. I really appreciate the invite. Well, did you uh, were you able to hear Roger? 
I did. I did uh, get to listen to Roger's interview. It was excellent, just as I suspected it would be. I know Roger as well, and uh, uh, Rachel Kurtz, also out at the King County Bar Association. They are known to slip down to Alabama once in a while and, and lend us some of their, their legal advice uh, on issues that we're working on here. I've got a great deal of respect for both of them. And, and um, the, the point is there are many, uh, a, a growing number, of people who recognize that this drug war has uh, been nothing but a failure and who are willing to speak up and in your case and uh, the the politicians i mentioned willing to stand up very tall and uh, speak the truth uh... how's it going in alabama uh... i'm gonna pick up on something that roger said it's very liberating uh... because it is the silent majority that agrees uh, a lot of my campaign has been focused on drug policy reform it's how i got my start into alabama politics and um, you know, when you first start out on something like that, you think, you wonder what kind of reaction you'll get. Are they going to, like, run you out of town on the rail? Or <laughs> they're going to, you know, string you up? Are they going to shoot you? Or, you know, they're going to ostracize you? But I find that uh, from from the poorest groups of people that I speak to all the way up to, you know, the most well-educated and, and most financially well-off, I rarely run into anyone who disagrees. I find that people are just waiting uh, and have been waiting for the lightning rod to come along and, and take the first major jolt and 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 they're willing to just to get in behind you. You know, I, I spoke briefly with Cliff Thornton up in Connecticut yesterday, and he was talking about he was in a parade this past weekend, and how refreshing, uh, just uh, wonderful it was. The the uh, the crowds of people, hundreds at a time, just uh, shouting and clapping and applauding what he had to say. And uh, I can only envision that uh, I'd had to give up the show if I were to run for office. But uh, I, I I'm glad to uh, expose uh, the truth along with you guys. Uh, let's let's talk about the. The, the campaign itself, I understand that uh, you were unable to collect sufficient uh, uh, signatures to be on the ballot, but you're going to go ahead and, and be a write-in candidate. Absolutely. Uh, the ballot restrictions in Alabama are the worst in the nation. We have to get 41,300 registered voter signatures in order to even get on the ballot as the Libertarian Party. And I am the Libertarian Party candidate. I have their nomination. Uh, but I'd always known that it would be um, just about impossible for, for us to do that here in the shorter length of time that we had and, you know, the meager resources that third-party candidates have. I did what I could. We got about 15,000 registered voter signatures, largely on a volunteer effort. Um, and I knew from the beginning that it would very likely be a write-in campaign. And, and so everybody that was supporting me to begin with is still supporting me. The media is still supportive. Um, and I've actually gained some, some extra supporters since then. So uh, I was, at, you know, always at a disadvantage. But, uh, you know, a lot of people ask me, well, why do you keep running? You know, you know you're not going to win on a write-in campaign. And um, I'm already winning. When you have, you know, the drug war debate going in the, you know, the major race in Alabama politics, um, you have, you've already won. If you can just get people talking about it here, you've won. And Alabama's ripe for some social justice change. And that is one of the major issues that, you know, that corrupts so badly, you know, the core of our society. So I, uh, you know, I decided that I would continue on. Um, I have, you know, like I said, I have a lot of friends in the media who are supportive. I have all of my supporters are still supportive. And my message is always very well received. Uh, and I will win in this election, you know, whether I take the governor's seat or not. It's important that we run and that we are heard um, and that we present an alternative and that we espouse these issues um, to a, you know, to a statewide audience. A lot of people ask me, why did you choose governor? Why didn't you go for, you know, a House of Representatives seat or, you know, city council? 
council, and those are all you know very uh, you know good options for people that want to do that. But I chose the governor's race in Alabama because I wanted the statewide audience. I didn't want to try and do it in just one area. I wanted to get the issue out there and get people thinking about it all over the state, and then you know from that I hope will rise you know people everywhere in every county who will be willing to step up and run and have this be one of their issues. You know, Loretta, I've, I'm aware that uh, you've not only had great uh, coverage within the state, uh, participation with radio, television, etc., but you've also had some national exposure as well. Tell us about that. Uh, well, we had a, a little incident here. I, I think I was on the show a couple of months ago talking about the two Alabama journalists who decided to discuss my anatomy instead of my platform. And so we just had a little fun with that. One of my campaign advisors uh, said, hey, let's do a, a flash for cash animation uh, where you know people would give me uh, $2, you could tuck it in my blouse, and 20 you could tuck it in my waist. And for 50 I would flash you and show you the biggest boobs in Alabama politics, which was actually my four opponents before the primary. And... Uh, <laughs> It was uh, it was really fun. I got uh, I was on Technorati. I, I was on number one at Technorati for over I think forty eight hours, and I was beating out people like Carl Rove and Stephen Colbert after the big press thing that he did. Um, and I stayed in the top ten for I guess about a week, so that was pretty huge. And then MSNBC uh, covered it. They just picked it up out of the blue. I didn't know they were going to cover me, and they they had kind of a you know a little satirical piece on it, which was pretty good. I, a lot of people got a kick out of it. They understood my my grit at that point. I I think that nobody else is going to, you know, dare talk about my anatomy in this campaign. Uh, they'll talk about my platform instead. <laughs> the point I uh, like to drive home is that there is no one on the other side, you know, willing to defend this this drug war in, in an open public venue. Not not to any large degree, I don't think you you probably run into that on occasion. Uh, but as I understand it, some of the uh, police chiefs that were at some of these fraternal uh, presentations you made. Uh, kind of did a flip-flop. Tell us about that. That was an amazing experience, and it wasn't something that I had expected. I was invited to uh, Tuskegee, Alabama, which is, you know, historic in, in the terms of things that have gone on here in the South. Uh, Macon County is, I think, 98% African-American, and it's one of the hugest, you know, uh, poverty-stricken places in the state. Um, so I went down to Tuskegee to a candidate's forum. I was the only gubernatorial candidate to show up. And uh, there were various other people there running for judge, running for uh, the sheriff was there, the incumbent sheriff, and then the current police chief was running against him for the nomination. And I always come right out with my drug policy planks. I find that uh, in some ways it shocks people, but it gets it out of the way. And by the time you're done talking, you know, they've, they've had some time to think about it. Um, so I, I did my thing with the audience, and um, the police chief got up and at one point said, you know, he was going to combat drugs, 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 and crime, crime, crime. And um, the sheriff got up and said, you know, something similar. And then we had a few more rounds where we'd get up and take questions and answer questions. And at one point, the police chief uh, said, made the mistake of saying that if they elected him sheriff, he promised that he would completely eradicate drugs in Macon County. And uh, when it was time for us to answer questions again, somebody asked the question, well, how exactly do you plan to do that? And he got up and said, uh, you know, it can't be done. Uh, even if we had, you know, active military on the borders, if we had missiles that would fly down people's chimneys, there's no way to eradicate drugs. And he sat down. And the sheriff got up and said, no matter what else you might think of Ms. Ault's platform and policy, she's absolutely right on the drug policy. It's not a, you know, a problem that police can handle. There's no, you know, there's really no compassion or humanity in sending somebody with a, a drug um, addiction problem to jail. And it, basically it's your kids that are getting shot down in the streets and it's your kids that are sitting in prison. And this is really not working and we need to be looking into treatment for those who need it.
And I just, I was uh, dumbfounded uh, to have that happen, you know, right there in a public venue in front of, you know, the voters in the community just a few days before the primary election was uh, was astounding. And I'm very proud to say that the sheriff who, who agreed with me did win uh, his Democratic Party nomination to run again on November 7th. And I really hope that sheriff, <clears throat> that he wins again. Well, you know, Loretta, again, we... We have stood uh, as boldly as we can. You started the U.S. Marijuana Party. You uh, uh, have tried every way possible, going on uh, uh, Internet TV, etc., etc., trying to bring forward the truth of this matter, trying to enlighten people, trying to change things for the better. Uh, let me ask you this. The... Uh, the opposition uh, for the gubernatorial race, uh, are they discussing this topic? Well, uh, yes, they are. They're discussing. We're still in the midst of a, a major prison crisis, and so I'm seeing a lot of action from the prison commissioner's office on how to deal with, you know, the inmates. They're getting more people on work release, and uh, we we have uh, we got a law signed by Governor Riley last year that's uh, voluntary sentencing guidelines that judges when people come before them now on you know misdemeanor drug charges they have options other than prison, and we got the marijuana law changed in Alabama, which is hugely significant. Uh, we got originally and. And uh, when I was arrested, one, you know, misdemeanor marijuana possession, the first time it's a misdemeanor as long as it's less than 2.2 pounds and there's no evidence of distribution. Uh, I got caught with a joint the first time, or they claim I had a joint. And then if you get caught again in Alabama with another joint or a seat or a stem, it used to be that the second time was an automatic felony punishable by up to 10 years in prison. And uh, contained within that voluntary sentencing bill that we got passed in 2006, it's now going to be on a point system where you're not even eligible for prison until after the fourth uh, conviction um, and it'll be scored off that way which is a step in the right direction it's not all that we want but it's a major step for here and that's kind of not been trumpeted in the media too much i did hear uh lieutenant governor lucy baxley who is also she's running on the democratic ticket for for governor uh back a couple of months ago i did the kevin elkin show down in montgomery and uh a couple of weeks later she came on and did the kevin elkin show and it's a two-hour show and an hour and 45 minutes of that show was her spent uh, defending her position on not legalizing marijuana, and the the audience just hammered away at her uh, on and on and on. Uh, you called her hypocrite, and so you when you you know when you have the the lieutenant governor of the state, you know, trying to defend why she won't legalize marijuana, and yet she thinks it's okay for the state to make money off the sales of alcohol, which kills tens of thousands a year. It's a beautiful thing. Um, it hasn't come up recently uh, so much in in the in the debates. Of being a writing candidate, I have to try and really really. Push to to get you know to get in with them on certain things, but uh, it will come up. I'm, I'm going to continue to push it, and I've already seen you know the fruits of my labor pay off in big ways with you know the sheriff's candidates, uh, with you know with Governor Riley signing that bill, uh, which will help us tremendously. With uh, Lieutenant Governor Baxley, you know, basically saying she has you know it's a gateway drug and trumpeting all the federal lies, which nobody here believes. So yes, it is. It's a very effective weapon because you're right. They can't defend, and they will not defend. That it's an indefensible position exactly right uh, the, the point uh, that i think you also want to drive home is uh, for those voters to get out to vote to uh, to think logically before pulling that lever 
Absolutely. Uh, the Republicans and Democrats, I mean, there are good ones on, on both sides. I'll get that out of the way right away. I don't think, you know, slamming a party as a whole one way or the other is ever a good idea. You need to investigate your candidates um, in every election. You need to participate not just in the big governor's races or in the presidential race. You, the listeners, if you really want to have an, a positive impact on drug policy reform, one, you need to start paying attention to politics because politics is the art of controlling your environment. It's as simple as that. If you want to have any say in the laws by which you're governed, you're going to have to be involved in the process of making them. And one way to do that is to, you know, participate in the electoral process by casting the vote for your candidate, by lobbying your elected officials. Another way to do that is to actually become the candidate yourself, like I did. I When I decided to do this, it was because I looked at all the possibilities and potential candidates and decided there's really not anybody there that represents me, not even close. And I'm kind of sick of not being represented. And I want people to know that politics is not hard. It's not hard to do this. It's uh, A lot of it's make-believe. A lot of times they're just making it up. And, and politics is for the people, love by and for the people. It's not for these rich millionaires who have co-opted our electoral process and make laws that they don't apply to themselves, only to us. So we have to we have to learn to think of it in that way. These are not gods. They were, you know, they're just people, and we're just people, and we have a right to jump in and throw our hats in and make them address issues that that are of concern to us. And I, you know, I think Cliff Thornton and Kevin Zeese, Roger Goodman, uh, and myself are going to win. I believe, you know, uh, we may, some of us may actually win the governor's seat. I think Cliff Thornton has a, a tremendous chance to win uh, governor of Connecticut. Uh, I'm winning in Alabama. I will continue to win down here until until we get things changed and and uh you know we spoke earlier of the uh, gathering of signatures and uh many times that involves paying people to go out and collect them you know a dollar dollar fifty a signature uh, that that happens many times but i know without the the money the wherewithal to get that done that that was an impediment uh, as you say the libertarians are forced to do this each election and and uh uh Therefore, you know, it's, it's an unnecessary expense to their, their campaign. Uh, if, if folks wanted to learn more about your, your uh, uh, run for governorship of Alabama or uh, I don't know uh, if, if they had in mind to make a donation, how could they do that? You can do that by logging on to nallforgovernor.com. That's N-A-L-L-F-O-R governor.com. Um, there's a way on there to make a contribution or to learn more about my campaign, uh, information about possibly getting involved yourself as a candidate uh, as well, because I really want people to start thinking in those terms. Now, Loretta, as I say, you and I have been delving into this, sharing this information as best we can. Uh, take a couple of minutes here and sum up to people uh, your observations, uh, how they can grab the handle the grasp of the reality that this drug war is a, is a a fraud well, basically, all they have to do is is look around. I read a, pay, a story in the Birmingham News last night. It said that um, Sheriff Mike Hale and a whole bunch of drug task force agents descended on a private low-income apartment complex in East Birmingham uh, with their uh, police dogs, sniffed drugs and or traces of drugs in 14 cars, and arrested 30 people. And he said in the paper, "Is it really that widespread, or, or are they just that bold? You know, this doesn't look good." If you just read the papers every day. You see drug arrest. If you listen to the police scanner on the radio, it's all, you know, simple misdemeanor possession. And if you look at, um, you know, the mess is a perfect example. I mean, if we are winning the drug war, then why, you know, are people, you know, 
using, you know, cooking the stuff up in their home. And, and I like to tell people a lot of times, you know, there's a simple way, I think, to try at least and, and correct that problem and that you can get methamphetamine on a prescription from a physician under the name of desoxin. So it seems to me like if, if you know, they really wanted to fix the problems that, you know, they would go that route. But the drug war is not about fixing the problems. It's about, as Cliff Thornton said, it's a war that can be waged but never won. It's a government jobs program. Kids aren't safe. Kids can get drugs on any street corner in any quantity they want as long as they have money. Uh, you know, we have too many people in our prison system. Um, and all of our, you know, our good social causes, education, health care, all those things, you know, the millions and billions of dollars that we spend every year need to be focused back on that. Um, people need to understand, if you look around at the police state these days, there's, I mean, they're everywhere. And the Supreme Court just said the other day they don't have to knock any any longer with a, with a warrant. They can just go charging in. So the drug war is, is a complete failure. If, if it were working, then we wouldn't have overcrowded prisons. We wouldn't have kids addicted to drugs. We wouldn't have the Supreme Court obliterating our Fourth Amendment right um, and all in the guise of, you know, we've got to have these tools so we can eradicate drugs. Well, with that, I, I guess we're uh, going to draw this to a conclusion. But once again, uh, please give us your website. Uh, the website is nallforgovernor.com, N-A-L-L-F-O-R, governor.com. Well, uh, Loretta Nall, thank you so much and uh, best of luck to you. Thank you, Dean. It's time to play Name That Drug by Its Side Effects. Dry mouth, dilated pupil, splurred vision, indigestion, allergic reaction, severe abdominal pain, increased risk of heat stroke, dizziness, drowsiness, and prolonged constipation. Time's up from Australia Pharma U.S. Inc. and GlaxoSmithKline. For bladder control, the answer, Vesicare. President George Bush. Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. Many famous Americans, including prominent conservatives, have used marijuana. None were arrested and all have lived successful lives. President Bill Clinton. Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger. Is it fair to arrest three quarters of a million people a year for doing what presidents and a Supreme Court justice have done? Visit the Marijuana Policy Project Foundation, www.joinmpp.org or call toll-free 1-877-JOIN-MPP. Place 12 monkeys in a room. Place a ladder in the middle of the room. Hang a bunch of bananas from the ceiling over the ladder. Leave the room and watch through a two-way mirror. When the first monkey starts climbing the ladder, seeking bananas, whack the monkey with a broomstick. Whack additional monkeys as necessary to prevent them from reaching the bananas. Continue this effort until the monkeys begin stopping one another from climbing the ladder. Remove one of the original 12 monkeys and replace with a monkey who has never been whacked with a broom. Watch as the original monkeys keep the newbie from climbing the ladder. Replace the original monkeys one by one. Watch as a room full of unwhacked monkeys keep one another from the ladder and the bananas, even though none of them know the original reason to refrain. Observe the perfect example of the mechanism of drug war in action. All right, uh, I'm uh, getting back to my notes here. A couple of things I wanted to point out. Uh, next week, we're going to go international. We're going to uh, bring on a gentleman. He's a former drug cop. He's the former coroner and the former mayor of Vancouver, uh, British Columbia, and he's now a senator up in Canada. We're going to have with us Mr. Larry Campbell here on the Cultural Baggage Show. Uh, I, I think it's important that you do your part 
I, I, I run into you on the streets, uh, at the grocery store, in the pool hall, wherever, and you tell me, Dean, you're doing a great job. And then I ask, have you written that 50-word letter? Have you mailed it to your congressman? Have you sent it to the local paper? And uh, way too many of you say, well, uh, no, not yet. And uh, the truth is, you need to do that. You need to do that. You need to stand up for the truth. We've been bamboozled, swindled, you know, uh, that had this major sting put on our nation about a hundred years ago. The servants of the drug lords, and I don't mean just those in Colombia, I mean the pharmaceutical companies as well here in the U.S. and other countries. We have been swindled. We have been robbed of our liberty. We have been told that it's best that little Johnny go to prison so that he not be addicted. Though, truth is, he can get drugs in prison. So what we have to do is face reality. We have to gather these facts together. You know, you can go to our website. There are hundreds of programs at drugtruth.net featuring doctors, scientists, lawyers, authors, politicians, Nobel laureates, people who whose word you should trust. You know, I, I say these things and, uh, you know, I sound, uh, um, I guess, far-fetched to some folks, but these other folks justify and legitimize what we're up to. You know, it's up to you. Please visit our website, drugtruth.net. Become part of the solution. I promise it will happen once you get involved. Uh, we've got Eric running the boards for us tonight. I think we're about ready to wrap it up. So with that, I remind you once again that because of prohibition, you don't know what's in that bag. Please be careful. To the Drug Truth Network listeners around the world, on behalf of engineer Philip Guffey, this is Dean Becker for Cultural Baggage and the Unvarnished Truth. The show produced at the Pacifica Studios of KPFT, Houston. Jap dancing on the edge of the <laughs>